0: There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal.
1: Welcome to No Mere Mortals Cover-to-Cover Series. The Cover to Cover series is a chronological journey through the moments in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation centered on the main character of Jesus Christ. In 2020, the Lord directed the start of the Cover to Cover series that originally began as weekly installments for Sunday morning youth teachings at a local church. In 2023, the Cover to Cover series will move to being a podcast series and Lord willing will continue to be weekly installments.
0: Job chapter 38. Verse 1, and it reads, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who, Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it to... What, where is its foundation uh, its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning star sang together and all of the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors? When I said, this far you may come, but no further. And here Your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since the days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked shall be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands like a garment from the wicked. Their light is withheld and the appraised arm is broken. Have you entered the spring of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? The darkness, where is its place that you may take it to its territory? That you may know the path to its home? Do you know it because you were born then? Or because the number of your days is great? Have you enter the treasury of snow or have you seen the treasury of hail which I have reserved for the time of trouble for the day of battle and war by what way is light diffused or the east wind scattered over the earth who has divided a channel for the overflowing water or a path for the thunderbolt to cause it to rain on a land where there is no one a wilderness in which there is no man to satisfy the desolate waste and to cause to spring forth the growth of tender grass has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whom from whose womb comes the ice and the frost of heaven, who gives it birth, the waters harden like stone, and the surface of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? Let's pray. God we thank you for this morning. And Lord, as we hear you speak to this man, Job, I pray this morning that as we come before you with hearts and minds open, that we would hear you speak to us. Father, that we would prepare our hearts and minds this morning to hear directly from you through your spirit, by your word, in your son's name. Amen. You guys may have a seat. Now, as you guys who were with us last week, uh, we went through and looked at what this amazing, miraculous book you hold in your hand the Bible is. And we looked at the fact that you know, the, the, this compilation of these 66 books broken up into 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New, that this is a compilation of God's Word that answers the when, the how, and the why of everything that you need to know. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 tells us, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. As we begin here from the very beginning, we're going to be looking at uh, Genesis, starting right at the beginning. And we saw that that Moses really used by God to write those first five books of the Bible called the Torah, that, that we saw God's fingerprint clearly all over that. And all of it, pointing to Christ. The amazing fact that the unity of Scripture demonstrates its supernatural inspiration that only the one true holy God could provide us with such a flawless Bible that reveals such matchless message. And that message being the Lord's staggering love for you, His creation. And again, that that all begins, if you would turn with me now to Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's amazing about this very beginning of this thing we call the Bible, God's word to us, is God doesn't take time to try and prove his existence. He doesn't sit there and try and make an account for himself. Rather, it starts off from the understanding that he is who he is, and he is simply declaring himself to be that which he says he is, to the point, God. Psalm chapter 14 verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 19 through 20, it says that that which may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what is made so that people are without excuse. So as we look here at Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And, and that begs then the question as we start this, okay, and I think it's a fair question that someone may have asked. Maybe in your youth, maybe even into this day. Okay, but then where did God come from? I've mentioned this many times, but for those of you who know, uh, being a, a nurse by profession, uh, I've gone through various different uh, classes of of science biology microbiology anatomy physiology and i had to learn about this guy named louis pasteur when i took microbiology i really struggled in that class i'll be honest with you, but something i remember that i learned in that class has stuck with me forever and in that i learned about this guy that in the 19th century he went about trying to disprove a current belief of his day is that life could just spontaneously erupt from nothing that there's this idea that, that life just kind of came out of nothing. And, and so he actually set out and succeeded in disproving by this amazing setup of, of different workings, of different uh, instruments, that basically what, what we didn't know at that time to be this, this micro-biology universe that existed is that actually things weren't spawning out of what visually looked like nothing, but there was actually something unseen. And what he just made so absolutely clear is that you cannot... Get something from nothing. So begs the question, okay, so, so then where did God come from? And as you look at this earth and as you, as you look at different uh, things of creation, you would ask, well, where did that come from? Let's, let's just take an apple. Okay, that came from a seed. Well, where did that come from? Came from an apple before. came from a tree, Well, where did that come from and you would ask these questions and you would keep going back back and back and back and back and so as you ask the same question of all of creation and and you think of creation well where did it come from you end up running into a certain problem that if you kept going back to an origin point you would eventually have to hit without being able to stop asking the question a zero point because even if you said well uh, you know the, the space dust where did it come from You need to ask that same question, where did it... And you inevitably would hit a problem if you ever got to a zero point. If you ever hit a zero point where you stopped asking the question, where did it come from, then you would have nothing. So by this discovery of understanding that nothing in our universe can come from nothing... That means it had to have an origin point, which means it begs to to know absolutely there had to be a universal constant. Something beyond our understanding that just was. And interesting that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty in psalm chapter 90 verse 2 god says before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth of the world even from everlasting to everlasting you are god in the jewish mindset the idea of everlasting was to go take in your mind and try and think as far forward as you can and and as as far in the future as you can even conceivably imagine and they called that everlasting and they said try and go back as far as you that question where did where did stuff come go back as far as you can as far as you think you can go and go from from there that that's Everlasting past. So from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So to ask that question, where did God come from? He simply, even by His word, who He declares Himself to be, He is the just was. The ever was. The ever I am. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, if you look at that word, the title, the name God, it is the name Elohim. What's interesting in the... Hebrew language, is that if you ever want to make something into a plural, you add the I-M. For us, you know, we think of adding E-S to things. That's how we plur, you know, try and make something multiple. In the Hebrew language, it's adding IM. A cherub, well, if you have multiple cherub, it's cherubim. You would have this idea. So what's interesting here about this word Elohim, right in Genesis 1, chapter 1, is that it's a plural. It's a plural noun. Is, that, is it saying El, God? Elohim, plural, is that you have Elohim who created the heavens and the earth. What's interesting about, again, this idea of this plurality, yet we say we serve one God, is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So even in Deuteronomy, to clarify this, is go, okay, so who is this, this one God? We understand that he is this one, but even in Deuteronomy, that word one is a compound one. It would be sort of like this. If I said to you guys, I got a dozen or one dozen donuts, you guys would understand when you walk into that room, you're not going to find one donut. You're going to find a box of 12. That it is a unit that is composed of multiple. Or for instance, I might say something to this. I hold up my fist. And already in that moment, you can see, yes, it's a fist, though a singular unit, it is composed of multiple. It is the same type of language that's being used here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. is clarified by Deuteronomy 6, 4. The Lord Elohim, God is one, but a one already known to be a compound one. Already from the very beginning of the very first verse of the Bible, we're seeing the doctrine of the Trinity made clear it's it's made even more clear and more understanding when you look at the language when it says there that god created because the verb is in the singular tense so you have a plural noun acting in a singular matter so even the language is telling you here it is one god this three in one acting singularly to create and we know this to be true. Again, as this doctrine of the Trinity, clearly seen from this very first verse carried throughout the entirety of Scripture. As we're told there in John that this God, Creator, is Jesus Himself. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, similar language here, John is invoking, just like in Genesis, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1, 14, then tells us who this word is and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth in between there john chapter 1 verse 3 john tells us that all things were made through him elohim jesus the word made flesh and without him nothing was made that was made we said this, looking at this Genesis 1-1, looking at the word created. God created the heavens and the earth. The word created here is the word bara. You, you use, you'll see throughout Scripture, the word created is going to be used sometimes with this word bara, sometimes with the word asa. Asa has the, word, the, the idea of like taking things that are formed and, and kind of collecting it. It's kind of like, think of building with Legos. Asa means to assemble. Yet bara means to create something that was never in existence before. To create as though, as though to create not in assembly faction, but actually to make something to exist that previously to that moment had not existed. And I want you guys to hold on to that because as we move through God's creation, there gets some confusion because a lot of times the simplest way to say that is that bara means to create something out of nothing. And yet there's going to be some confusion later when you start seeing that God has created things and yet you'll see other parts in scripture where it says that man was asad but yet man was also borrowed. And so I want to make this moment right here is to, to kind of clear away confusion. As again, I think in simple ways we just say God created something out of nothing. Well, then there becomes this weird, oh, well, there seems to be a contradiction here when really what bara means is to create something that in that moment had never existed before. Not in an assembling way, but to produce it. And so that God produced from himself, by his word, the heavens and the earth. Now, as, as we go through this, and, and again, we, we start off with Psalm telling us, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And even now, you, you guys might hear things, and you might try and explain to your friends, or, or maybe you've even had someone say this to you, or even thought this yourself, that when I was growing up, um, we had foster kids who would come and stay in our home and they would, would come and, and they, they had this time that they were called respite and it, where they would kind of come and, and kind of take breaks and they would come to other foster families and so they came into our home and there's one guy in particular when I was growing up telling him, hey, it's time to get ready. I was about seven years old. Hey, it's time to get ready for church. I was so excited. I loved going to church. It was part of our family thing. We always, and, and I and, oh, going to church, and he said, why do I have to go to church? Whoa, and I remember as a seminar, so I mean, why do we go to church? We go to church because we go to church. Family's going to church, trying to get up, put your pants on, let's go. And this guy kind of did this thing where he said, that's all just a bunch of nonsense that your parents are drilling into your head. And maybe even, as you guys sit here this morning, right here I am talking to you. Am I just drilling stuff into your, into your head? And so someone might say, oh, you go there, and people just, it's just a bunch of made-up stuff that people are, are, are drilling into your head. I want to just step back for a moment. And it is going, uh, Speaking, communicating, and, and, and it becomes very easy for someone to take some intellectual high ground. Those thoughts you have, that's just something that somebody has drilled into your head as though the person speaking to you hasn't had that message drilled into their head. As though they have come up with some original thought to challenge you and your belief as something that somebody has just drilled into your head. The reason I bring this up is um, I, I recently watched watched uh, a quick little clip of an interview of uh, Stephen Colbert and and Ricky Gervais, And I, I'm not sitting here, you know, promoting these two guys. I, I've got one who's a, uh, you know, a nighttime news guy who's a liberal Catholic. And I've got a far left atheist who are, who are talking here. And, and so I, I'm just sitting here just letting you know, watching these two guys communicate because it just happened to come across... Right, my my feed this week of, hey, these two guys were debating religion. I was like, okay, well, two people who don't stand on truth debating religion. This should be fun to watch. And there's a moment in this discussion that just, and again, so there's no uh, standing as using any of these men as like fixture points to learn truth from. But even within two people discussing, it was interesting how the conversation went. When at one point... Stephen Colbert taking the side as he likes to do. He likes to do these debates where he takes sides. He doesn't even strongly feel on. He just likes debating. And that's where he kind of resonates with my heart, debating just for the sake of debate. So he's debating with this guy because he's like, well, let's go for it. And I don't really care to change your mind, but let's have fun in doing that. Okay, well, let's have fun watching the debate. And they're they're going back and forth. And so Stephen Colbert, in in listening to Ricky Gervais, at one point, Ricky says this. He says, I know the odds are a billion to one I'd be me on this planet and that everything was crunched into something smaller than an atom. Maybe many of you guys have heard that same truth. And here's Stephen Colbert interjecting real quick, and and he just says, well, you don't really know that. You're believing Stephen Hawking, and that's faith in his abilities. You don't know for yourself. You're simply accepting because someone... Hold you. I want to begin to break down that somehow because you stand on the word of God that you've had nonsense drilled into your head and that somehow every person outside of faith is just living in this purely rational, unassuming, open world view and yet from the very moment you see two people who aren't even truly standing on the word of God and one can bring up the fact of going, well, let's, let's be real about this. Even what you're trying to stand on and tell me is a truth point to counter God's existence is something that you haven't known. Some other guy did a bunch of other studies, wrote some stuff and told you and you're accepting that and have placed your faith in what he's saying. Richard Lontem, he's a prominent evolutionist wrote this. He said, Our willingness to accept scientific claims that are against common sense is the key to an understanding of the real struggle between science and the supernatural. We take the side of science in spite of patent absurdity of some of its constructs, in spite of its failure to fulfill many of its extravagant promises of health and life, and in spite of the tolerance of the scientific community For unsubstantiated, just so stories, because we have a prior commitment. I want you guys to catch this. This is an evolutionist, a man of science saying, we have a prior commitment to how we are coming at this information that we are taking in. A prior commitment to materialism. It's not that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept material explanation of phenomenal world. So it's not the evidence, it's not the fact that science and all of its evidence and all of its providence is so compelling. But rather, again, it's this commitment, a prior commitment. Because he says here, but on the contrary, that we are forced by a prior adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation, create an apparatus of investigation and set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying To the uninitiated, moreover, that materialism is absolute for we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. I bring that up simply for anyone who wants to challenge you that you sit here to just have stuff drilled into your head as though you guys don't sit through classes, sit through textbooks of people trying to drill stuff into your head and somehow science is this, this just beautiful unassuming, and yet you're going to see over and over that this prior adherence to say, we will not allow for a divine foothold in the door. Everyone comes at this world with a world view and how they take in the information and what they do with that information. We stand... I stand on the Bible and a biblical worldview, and that is by which I will process all the information that is brought through unto me. Just to make this clear, again, I want you guys to understand that I I think there there becomes this misnomer when we speak of creation and miracles, that somehow the Bible. Is anti-science. There's Somehow there's like biblical facts and then there's science facts. And it's funny because evolutionists and even atheists a lot of times get to say, you can have your own opinions, but you don't get to have your own facts. And I say, amen, you're right. There's only one set of facts. I'm not anti-science. The Bible is not anti-science. That is not in any way what it is. What we're anti is an adherence to not allowing for a divine foothold because I'm not going to stand there and say, I will not accept this while I openly accept this. That's what we're standing on. And, and just again, to this idea that somehow science is, is just so good. they're just ready to, to take on new information. How many of you guys have ever heard of a scientist by the name of Ole Romer? Anyone? Ole Romer? He's a footnote in history. What's interesting about this guy at the age of 32, younger than I am now, he was observing Jupiter's moon's eclipses. And in 1676, this guy discovered something that up to then was considered absurdity. He found out that the speed of light was actually not infinite. Though incredibly fast, it was finite. It was something that you could measure. And he had all of his research, and he put it all out there, and the science community rejected him and scoffed him to the point where he's barely a footnote in history. And they give all the evidence to a guy who 20 years later ends up discovering the same thing that he discovered. And they give all this credit to this, to this other guy. My point here is for over two decades, a man with scientific process had the information provable. And yet, because out of adherence to something that they wanted to believe, that went against counter to everything else that they knew at that time to be true, they rejected it. What's interesting is that, again, as Stephen Colbert and Ricky Gervais were having this conversation, is that his only response when Stephen calls him out that he's just adhering to a faith based in Stephen Hawking's teaching, as he made some sort of comment like this, he says, science is, is always proving itself right. And as I heard him say that, and, and he goes on to make just these, these unsubstantiated claims that people think sound smart when you just throw stuff around, but you see someone who just kind of in that moment scrambles and then goes, okay, well, let's shift gears to a different topic that I was trying to get to, is that in that moment, it kind of reminded me when I was, uh and I probably was still in my 20s, flying to Hawaii uh, with a young guy. Uh, we were going to a, a camp for kids with congenital heart disease, and, and we were flying to Hawaii, and I was having a discussion with this kid, and we're talking the Bible, we're talking science, and, and he, he says his problem, he's like, my problem with religion is that religion is always changing. And I went, huh? He's like, yeah, re- religion is always changing. I go, well, like, what do you mean? And again, not being able to really give me any concrete, because again, I know what the word says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and as you go throughout scripture, that, that's not something to deviate. It's from the very beginning that there is one God and three persons. Elohim. And I went, "Oh, oh, do you mean how like science used to say that earth was the center of the universe?" And, oh no, that wasn't true. How about the fact that science said, "Oh, the the, the universe is 2 billion years old." <laughs> no, sorry, we, we meant 10 billion years old. Nope, sorry, we meant 70 billion years old. Oh, you mean like that. You mean how science in itself admits that with new discoveries always learning that what we're actually constantly doing is discovering what we were wrong in. So in a way, if you want to apply that same thing, if you're meaning that this new discovery shows that there's always a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge and that you were living in error, the fact that if you took physics books from the 1950s, you'd have to throw them all out because 0% of that stuff is going to be stuff, well, I won't say 0%, most of the stuff becomes something that's been completely undone. So again, is it God's word, this never-changing word that has been unchanging from over 4,000 years? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Isaiah forty eight thirteen: God says, Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth. My right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand up together. I was to point to you guys a soda can on a fence, or a clock, or this building here. I was, every single one of you would see a placement of a can on a fence, and they're saying, someone had to put that there. You look back at the clock and say, Bryce has been talking way too long. I know that that clock has been working. Someone had to tune that up correctly. You sit in a building here, and you go, clearly, this was all something that someone had to construct design of this just so universe the fact that we have just the right gravitational force to keep us onto this planet but not squish us like bugs or let's go flying off the just right distance to the Sun that provides us the right amount of heat for light but yet we don't burn up or freeze to death because of our distance we can clearly see that there is no chance that such a world such a universe could create itself apart from an intelligent designer. No more logical than a soda can on a fence, a working clock, or a building you sit in. Ken Ham, uh, who who runs Answers in Genesis, or founded it, uh, creation museum, the the Ark experience, has said every single doctrine of theology, directly or indirectly, has its basis in the book of Genesis. C.S. Lewis, writer of Narnia, Screw tape letters, a close friend of J.R.R. Tolkien who wrote The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. He wrote that when he heard a biblical scholar claim that Genesis' creation account was a myth, he didn't want to know about the man's credentials as a biblical scholar. He wanted to know how many myths the man had read. Myths were Lewis's business. And as a literary scholar, he could see that the biblical account of creation was unlike any mythical writing but more than all of that why do I stand on this as God's given word as the world view to take all information in through and processed by I'll tell you because Jesus said so John chapter 5 verse 4, 46 and 47 Jesus said for if you believed Moses you would believe me for he wrote but if you do not believe his writings how will you believe my words we can't say that we believe in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ if we're going to reject from the very beginning. Guys, if we can't settle on Genesis 1-1, we can't move on to any verses after that. If there is no creator, there is no God, and we're just a result of random chance. Is that truth or, or or is it true, as the word says, that The everlasting to everlasting God is not only creator of everything, but he is in control of all things. From before he spoke the world and existence, he loved us. We sang today about how much he loves us. And we have a God who says, I have told you by my word that he made a plan to save us from our sinful, self-destructive, chaotic nature. And he put his plan into action In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So for this morning, you you can either believe in an always-changing guesses of human or trust that the God of the Bible is the one and only God who is eternally constant and believe in what He says about who He is, about where you come from, and about who He has made you to be. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, again, I I just, I pray that as we we spoke this morning, as you spoke to Job, God, later in that same passage, you would say, who gives us understanding that, that, Lord, you are the ever constant. That you are so far and high above us that we can't even comprehend your thoughts or your ways. And yet, God, would that serve as a reminder to put ourselves in the right perspective, but to know just as Job did that we can come to you and that you're a God who, who hears and sees and speaks. Lord, I pray that no one in this room would, would be fearful to ask you these questions, but not to fall into some fallacy that believing because they have questions or that because there are people who have, who have chosen, chosen other faiths that somehow theirs is negated. But Lord, that we stand on your ever-constant word, so supernaturally unified in this message about your Son and your love for us. And God, we can believe that you loved us, that you died for every one of our sins that we would ever commit, that we would be able to have an eternal relationship with you by faith, and we can stand on that promise because... From the very first word you made in your, your word. That from the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth. And that statement is as true as your promise to eternal salvation with us. It ends and begins fully with you. You are the beginning and the end. We love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen.
1: The Cover to Cover series is part of No Mere Mortal. The No Mere Mortal ethos derives from the biblically grounded and inspired work of C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. You can find more No Mere Mortal content, including the Cover to Cover series, on our website at nomeremortal.org. Follow us on Twitter, Truth, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and most major podcasting services. Subscribe, follow, like, comment, leave a review, and share. The music you've heard has been provided by Sicko. That's C-I-K-K-0. And you can find him at YouTube at sucks 797 My name is Bryce, and you are no mere mortal.